in every case of Christian reconciliation, there's one of three roles that you and I might play. We will either be the offender who needs to return, the offended who needs to receive, or the interceder who must reconcile. This week we examine this in Paul's intercession to Philemon on behalf of Onesimus in Philemon 8-16. through I'm Noah Hooper and this is the Taught by Grace podcast. As noted last week, there are three main characters in this story about forgiveness. These three men, Paul, Philemon, and Onesimus, represent the characters in every matter of forgiveness. We see the offender in Onesimus, the offended in Philemon, and the intercessor in Paul. In every matter of reconciliation, there is the offender and the offended. This is what we see in Onesimus and Philemon. In most interpersonal relationships, this matter of forgiveness can be resolved between these two individuals. The one who has offended can go to the one he wronged and ask for forgiveness. Also, the one who was offended can go to the one that wronged him and talk to him about this matter. This is how most disputes are resolved among Christians, or at least how they should be resolved. When you and I have ought with a brother, we should resolve that between ourselves. However, there are times in which a third party must come in and intercede on behalf of the other two. This is where Paul comes into this story, as the intercessor on the behalf of Onesimus. This issue could not be resolved between Philemon and Onesimus, so Paul had to come in and bridge the gap between these two men. There were three roles that these men played in the story. Onesimus, as the offender, had the duty of returning to Philemon. Philemon had the responsibility of lovingly receiving Onesimus. And Paul bridged the gap by reconciling these two men so that they could be restored. You will always take one of these three roles in this matter of reconciliation. If you have offended, return. If you have been wronged, receive. If you recognize a dispute between brothers or sisters in Christ that is not being resolved, then there are times in which you must reconcile. Now this doesn't mean that you are to invade and infiltrate everybody's business, but there is a sense in which we are our brother's keeper. There is a sense in which we have a responsibility of when we have removed the beam from our own eye by looking at our brothers or sisters and helping them in their relationships. So that is who Paul was. He was the interceder. So in this portion of scripture, Paul presents his plea for Philemon to forgive Onesimus. He had just given an exposition about the character of Philemon in verses 1 through 7. And that character is very important because it was because of that character that Philemon would forgive Onesimus. You see, if you do not have a character of love, faith, and encouragement, you will not be prepared to forgive. So now, in verses 8 through 9, he transitions to the meat of this letter by interceding with Philemon on the behalf of Onesimus. Paul was not just writing to condone the behavior of Philemon, but to intercede on the behalf of Onesimus. He was writing to call Philemon to be reconciled to his runaway slave. So let's read verses 8 through 16. Wherefore, though I might be much bold in Christ to enjoin thee that which is convenient, yet for love's sake I rather beseech thee, being such an one as Paul the aged, and now also a prisoner of Jesus Christ. I beseech thee for my son Onesimus, whom I have begotten in my bonds, which in time past was to thee unprofitable, but now profitable to thee and to me. 
whom I have whom I have sent again, thou therefore receive him, that is, mine own bowels, whom I would have retained with me, that in thy stead he might have ministered unto me in the bonds of the gospel. But without thy mind would I do nothing, that thy benefit should not be as it were of necessity, but willingly. For perhaps for he therefore departed for a season, that thou shouldest receive him forever. Not now as a servant, but above a servant, a brother beloved, specially to me, but how much more unto thee, both in the flesh and in the Lord. First of all, we see the impetus behind Paul's intercession in verses 8 and 9, and that is love. Notice how Paul contrasts how he could have commanded Philemon versus how he did plea with Philemon to receive Onesimus. In verse 8 he said, Wherefore, though I might be much bold in Christ to enjoin thee that which is convenient. Paul had every right to be completely frank with Philemon and command him to forgive Onesimus. The impetus behind this letter could have been, I am sending Onesimus to you. Forgive him when he gets there. And Paul could have left it at that and he would have been right to do so. If he did so, as he said, it would have been in Christ. He could have done it under the authority of Jesus in just telling Philemon, you must forgive Onesimus. The word enjoin in this verse is a word we do not use, but it means to command, charge, or order. Essentially, Paul said that he could have very well co commanded Philemon to do what he wanted him to do and would have been absolutely fair and right in doing so. And we know that Philemon would have forgiven more than likely because that was the type of man Philemon was. He was the kind of Christian who sought to glorify God in all that he did. And if Paul commanded him to do this, he would have done so. However, forgiveness is worthless when done only from a dutiful mindset. One should not forgive out of duty, but from a heart of love. If you forgive someone because it is the right thing to do, instead of doing it from the right motive, the result will likely be resentment and bitterness. This is why Paul did not just command him to forgive because of his authority, but instead pleaded with him to forgive for love's sake. Yet for love's sake I rather beseech thee, being such an one as Paul the aged and now also a prisoner of Jesus Christ. Instead of commanding Philemon to forgive out of obligation, Paul pleads with him to forgive because of love. True reconciliation and forgiveness always come from a heart of love. Look no further for an illustration of this than in God sending Jesus to this world to die for our sins. You know John 3.16, For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish, but have everlasting life. God sent Jesus to this world to die on the cross because of love. He forgave us because of love, and we must forgive because of love as well. This is why Paul pleaded with Philemon to forgive Onesimus. Paul called Philemon to forgiveness by love. He identified himself as the age he was speaking of how he was older, how he was more mature, and then also as a prisoner of Jesus Christ. That he was both a prisoner in Rome and that he was abandoned to Jesus Christ. That he was arrested in Jesus Christ. This is the basis of his plea. So Paul has set the stage. He's been building up to this moment in which he reveals to Philemon the purpose of the letter that he wrote. The curtain is now lifted and he declares that he is writing to Philemon on the behalf of Onesimus in verse 10. 
I beseech thee for my son, Onesimus, whom I have begotten in my bonds. In this verse, we see the intimate relationship that Paul had with Onesimus. It is important to recognize that Paul was close friends with both of the main characters in this letter. He was not writing to a stranger on the behalf of a friend, neither writing to a friend on the behalf of a stranger. Rather, he was writing to one man who was very dear to him on the behalf of another man who was also very dear to him. Paul reveals the intimacy of his relationship with Onesimus and when this relationship came about. He said, My son, this term was used by Paul to speak about those whom he led to Christ and continued to disciple. It is used about three men in the New Testament specifically, by him Timothy, Titus, and Onesimus. This was used to describe the intimate relationship Paul had with them and the incredible influence that he had on their lives. He calls Onesimus his son and can do this because Onesimus had been saved by grace, whom I have begotten in my bonds. During Paul's sentence in Rome, he came in contact with this runaway slave. He didn't meet this man and show him the way to physical freedom, but he showed him the way to a greater freedom through life in Jesus Christ. While Paul was a prisoner of Rome, he led Onesimus to Christ. Just a side note here, the fact Paul led this man to Christ while a prisoner of Rome reveals that no matter the situation we are in, it does not absolve our duty. It does not relinquish us from our duty to glorify Christ and to honor Him no matter the situation we are in. Now back to the main point of this verse. That is, Paul reveals that Onesimus was now saved. When he fled from Philemon, he was a heathen, but now he was a brother in Christ. It is because of this new nature that Onesimus has received that he is now profitable to Philemon as stated in verse 11 which in time past was to thee unprofitable, but now profitable to thee and to me. The ironic thing about this verse is that Onesimus' very name means profitable. However, Onesimus the runaway slave was not profitable, but now Onesimus the Christian is both profitable to Philemon and Paul. This is the result of God infiltrating the life of a heathen by the power of the gospel of Christ. He resurrects that which is dead. He brings light into darkness. He redeems that which is on the market of sin. He takes that which is unprofitable and makes it profitable. This is the work of the gospel. When God saves a man, he makes that man new. And that is what Paul is saying about Onesimus here. He has been made new. So Paul was saying that Onesimus would now be useful to Philemon. It is for this reason that Paul sent Onesimus back, whom I have sent again, and thou therefore receive him, that is, mine own bowels. The admonition of Paul in this verse is for Philemon to receive Onesimus. He had already laid the foundation about this new nature, and it is on this basis that he calls him to receive Onesimus. This act of receiving is mentioned multiple times. We're going to look at it a little bit deeper next week over these next few verses because the first act in forgiveness is reception. If you will ever forgive someone, you must receive them first. If you consistently turn your back on them and never take them in, forgiveness and restoration will not occur. You cannot forgive whom you do not receive. 
Notice how Paul was asking Philemon to receive Onesimus. He said to receive Onesimus as his own heart. That is what the word bowels is referring to. It is the heart of Paul. Philemon was not just to receive Onesimus for the sake of receiving him, but he was in reality to receive the heart of Paul. This is the beautiful work of interceding that Paul does here. He calls Philemon to receive Onesimus as if he receives Paul himself. Essentially, Paul says, forgive him for my sake, as he will say later in the letter. He says, do it as if it were me that you were forgiving. Onesimus may not have had much merit for forgiveness to Philemon, but Paul certainly did. And as he sends him back, he says in verse 13, Whom I would have retained with me that in thy stead he might have ministered unto me the bonds of the gospel. Paul would have kept Onesimus with him because he faithfully ministered to Paul during his imprisonment. He was a willing servant to Paul, and Paul would have had no problem in keeping Onesimus with him, but he recognized that there was a relationship that needed to be restored. In verse 14, he said, But without thy mind would I do nothing, that thy benefits should not be as it were of necessity, but willingly. Paul could not have ethically kept Onesimus without Philemon knowing, because Onesimus was in reality still the slave of Philemon. So Paul recognizes that he could not keep Onesimus without Philemon knowing and doing it out of necessity. If Onesimus had stayed with Paul, he wanted Philemon to know and allow it willingly. However, Paul understood that Onesimus needed to go back to Philemon. He recognized that God had a greater plan than Onesimus ministering to him, and that was the restoration, the reconciliation of Onesimus and Philemon. In this we see the purpose of this intercession, and that is restoration. For perhaps he therefore departed for a season that thou shouldest receive him forever. I've already mentioned it multiple times, and it, ha- and it has been implied through much of the letter. But this is the first time that Paul explicitly talks about how Onesimus departed from Philemon. Onesimus ran away as the unprofitable servant. It is highly doubtful that Onesimus had any inclination of returning to Philemon after he left him. If he did return, death was more than likely waiting on him. However, a drastic transformation happened in the life of Onesimus when he met the Lord Jesus Christ. So now Paul has sent Onesimus back to him and he is now returning to Philemon. There would have been no reason for him to initially return after departing. But Paul implies that this was part of the plan all along. How then was it planned for Onesimus to lead to the end of being received by Philemon forever? No doubt this is in reverence to the providence of God. Onesimus as the runaway slave would have never returned, but Onesimus as the born-again Christian had to return. The only way this could have happened was by the power, grace, and sovereignty of God. He returns to the end that Philemon might receive him forever. This word differs from the other use of receive in this letter. This, the other simply mean to take in, but this word has the idea of taking back fully. Philemon was not just to half-heartedly forgive Onesimus, but the purpose was full and complete restoration. By the way, in this matter 
of forgiveness and reconciliation, the purpose is always full and complete restoration. If someone has wronged you as Onesimus did to Philemon and they come for forgiveness, it is our duty to receive them fully. So Paul lays out, now Paul lays out the motive behind how he should receive him fully in verse 16. Not now as a servant, but above a servant. A brother beloved, especially to me, but how much more to thee, both in the flesh and in the Lord. He contrasts how he was not to receive Onesimus versus how he was to receive Onesimus. How he was not to as a servant. Philemon was, wasn't to take in Onesimus as the man he was when he left. For Onesimus was no longer that man. Paul admonishes him with this because if Philemon took him in just as a servant, he could have had him killed. This is why Paul calls him not to forgive in a business or professional relationship, but rather as a brother in Christ. This verse also emphasizes that there are no class orders in the family of God. Greek nor Jew, bond nor free, old nor young, rich nor poor. No matter the societal standing that one might have, we are one in Christ. This is how Paul addresses this matter of the slave returning to the master. He says, don't forgive him as a slave, but as a brother in Christ. He said, a brother beloved, especially unto me, but how much more unto thee, both in the flesh and in the Lord. He said, above a servant. Paul told him to receive him as greater than a servant. His plea was for Philemon to receive Onesimus as a brother in Christ. He speaks of how Onesimus was dear, was a dear brother to Paul, but then escalates it by pointing out how much more he would be to Philemon, both in the flesh and in the Lord. Onesimus would now be profitable to him, and he should be received by him because he is a brother in Christ. This is a great reminder that we should forgive those who are part of the family of God. Philemon now had a greater motivation to forgive Onesimus before because now Onesimus was no longer just a slave that Philemon had, but he was a brother in Christ. So this is how Paul concludes this plea for forgiveness. But what is the application of the section? I believe it must be recognized that forgiveness must be rooted in love. As Paul stated in verse number 9, we ought to forgive for love's sake. And also that forgiveness is a matter of receiving the offender. The one who has offended us, we must be willing to receive the one who has done wrong. And as I mentioned at the beginning, in this matter of reconciliation, you will fulfill one of three roles. You might be the one who needs to return and ask for forgiveness. You might be the one who needs to receive the offender and give forgiveness. You might also be the one who needs to reconcile the offender and offended. In these few verses, Paul lays out his plea for Philemon to forgive Onesimus. He presented the why of reconciliation. Next week we will see how the how of reconciliation. Why should Paul, why should Philemon forgive Onesimus? He was to forgive him out of a heart of love as a brother in Christ. So what position are you in? 
Do you need to be forgiven as Onesimus did? To that I would say return and ask for forgiveness. Do you need to forgive as Philemon did? If so, you must be willing to receive the offender. Do you need to intercede as Paul did? There are times when you may see a situation, a difficulty between brothers or sisters in Christ that are in your church and realize that you need to you need to interfere a little bit. You need to intercede on their behalf so that that, so that, that relationship might be restored. The importance of Christians dwelling in unity cannot be overstated. Therefore, we must carefully consider this matter of reconciliation. Do you need to return? Do you need to receive? Or maybe do you need to intercede as Paul did? This is Paul's plea for forgiveness. And next week, as we continue in this, we will see the act of forgiveness more so laid out. Thank you for tuning in to this week's edition of the Taught by Grace podcast.